Welcome to Four Quarter Lives, a podcast exploring the profound impact of longer, healthier, and more engaged lives, not only for ourselves and our couples, but also for companies and countries. I'm Aviva Wittenberg-Cox, and on this week's Four Quarter Lives, I talk with Sibylle Lemaire, VP of Business Development for France's Groupe Bayard. In addition to running a media business that focuses on the young and the older, she's also launched a club for CEOs called the Club Landois. It brings together a couple of dozen CEOs of some of France's leading multinationals around a charter to get longevity strategies onto their agenda, putting demographic change alongside tech and climate changes. It's a model for how to get companies on board and leaders longevity literate. So welcome, Sibylle Lemaire, to Four Quarter Lives. Delighted to have you. Thank you, Aviva. I'm so happy. So I was so happy to invite you because you are doing something really interesting in France that I think should be a model for the world. You started a new kind of club that brings together a couple of dozen CEOs of some of France's largest multinationals to Mm -hmm. focus on longevity as a strategic priority. So how did it begin? Where did the idea come from? And when did you launch? Okay, thank you, Aviva, so much for your invitation. And I have a confidence to make, we met a month ago or so. We did, and, at the OEC, in the beautiful halls of the OEC. I was very surprised. And I said to myself, how come I didn't meet such a wonderful woman <laughs> month before? So I'm very happy to be with you and today. And me the same. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> I lived in France for 30 years and we never crossed paths. I don't know how exactly. we managed. Don't know why, but then it's great. Shows fit. <laughs> Shows fit, exactly. So let's say that, you know, I work at Bayard and our senior interest is a long standing choice since 1968, May 1968, believe it or not, since the creation of one magazine called Notre Temps, who actually focus on retirement. Tell us a little bit what the Groupe Bayard is, because my listeners might not know of this. Uh, It's a media company. We do books, magazines, audio, digital, all kinds of things. And we focus on children magazines, where we are the, I think, the biggest one in Europe. And we do also magazines for 50 plus. And the specificity of the group is that we are based on subscriptions and we have so far 4 million subscribers in France and all over the world. So it's, it's an amazing company. So one part is focused and we have a daily newspaper as well. So one part is focused on children and the other one on the 50 plus. And one day I've been asked to work on this 50 plus population. The strange thing for me that was we have 24 magazines for the age from zero to 18, one for the class. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Like, <laughs> that is very interesting marketing-wise to have one for that many people. So we started. I started to ask myself, who are they? What do they want? What do they focus on? And I realized that it's a huge part of the population that we put in one bag. Yeah. older. Yeah. And I said to myself, not sure that is the right, you know, aspect and the right way to look at them. So the, why are there so many? Because we know that, you know, that Aviva is that we live much longer. 
The question is, and the question you ask, I raised before me, is that are we ready to live longer? That's another thing. So as a country, as a company, as a citizen, and as an employee, are we ready for that? So I um, started to gather different companies from different parts, from different sectors, so that we could answer this very difficult question altogether. And I look at the demographic transition and I look for you as numbers. And what I'm sure about is that demographic change, first of all, demographic is a fantastic thing because it's a sure thing. We know that. The difficulty is for us to accept it and to do something with it. So there's one demographic change is one major trend that will profoundly alter the job market and our society as a whole in the coming years, alongside technological change and climate change. And why I started this club is to prepare together, to face it, to ask ourselves, what can we do? And to prepare and organize. That is the reason of the Club Landois, which was created in November 2019. So Landois is written L A. N-D-O-Y, which is a contraction of the two first demographic person who works on demography in France. Lucky me, Adolphe Landry, Louise Duroy, one man, one woman, I was more than happy. So... Very good. Yeah, very good. Very, very interesting to me that you've put AI, climate, and longevity together on a par as the top issues, because I hear all the time about climate and AI, and very rarely does longevity get included in that prioritization. Yeah, that's a very good question, Evan. Thank you for asking it. We focus on the S, on the CSR priorities. We focus on the social dimension. And that was a very strong motivation for companies and their CEOs to join us because it's a huge you know, change of perspective for us as citizens or employees, but also for companies and CEOs and how to manage that is not that easy, actually. Because the question we're asking is that having more people, older people and younger in the on the same place is how we manage that. What is our social pact? How is our new social contract? Yep. Uh, that is fairer and more equitable between generations. Yeah. So let me add that aging is not a risk. It's a reality. So we need to understand that because there is nothing new in aging. We've been aging for 2000 years. So what is new is that the phenomenon is global, brutal, and we'll have direct consequences for companies. So let me explain. First, the global and brutal phenomenon is, let's look at some figures, by the way. So there is these numbers that we know that we all share by 2050. So if we look at Europe, by 2050, we will have fallen from 520, let's say, to 470 million. So what we have to understand is that one in four inhabitants will be under 25 and one in three over 60. This is enough to turn 
our society upside down, I would say. And that is happening all over the world. Yeah. The sub-Saharan, sub-Saharan Africa population is going to double, where if you combine all Europe with all North Africa, we are flat, zero, yeah. 0.3 to be more than, you know. Yeah. So what are the implications for businesses? That's one question we should raise. If we take France, for example, because sorry, Aviva, that's where I know the numbers best. No, 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 go, go for France. France is the model go for France story go for, for today. Once. So we are in 2023 and already 26% of the French population is over 60. And one in four inhabitants are over 60. And by 2014, which is not that far, it would be one in three. And we had the numbers in July and the birth rate dropped at 1.8. So France is aging and aging fast, very fast, such as the UK, Italy, all Europe. The challenges for companies, I'm not going to raise all of them, but what we need to ask ourselves is how do we now attract talent, retain talent, maintain people, develop expertise, and make sure we actually have KPI on all that and we know how to pilot that with our companies. And so far, let me tell you, there are no dashboard very precise on this. And that's it. Well, and what you're talking about is really, I mean, they know how to attract, retain and develop talent in Q2. What they've never really paid attention to is people over 50 and how to attract, retain and develop older talent. So this conundrum is stretching out. and, And I'm curious, who are some of the earliest CEOs to have joined you and what was their motivation? Is this what they were worried about? And did the impetus come from them or from you? Did they push you or did you invite and nudge them in? <laughs> I Just like curious. Question. I pushed Aviva hard, very okay. hard. Let's be honest. I took I, it. You, nu- you I, nudged. You nudged. That's a nudge. Yeah, because at the question, how age inclusive are you? People yep. are looking at me like, okay, what is this kind of question? Yep. Then they understood the importance on focusing on the S and they look at the ratio of people over 45 already within their company. So that's where they actually make a click and said, okay, we need to do something. So you find they were measuring that? They did have yeah. their radar that, that on the over 45s? Okay. Yeah, they knew. They knew. Mm-hmm. Okay. They didn't know that it was so big and increasing so fast. That right. was a new thing. Yep. Okay. So that, the club, as you started it, I think very wisely came out first with a charter. Is that right? Or did the charter evolve over time? And members that you invited to join had to sign on to the 10 principles of this charter. Exactly. Can you share with us what they were and how they were developed? Okay. You know that there is this aphorism, if you say in English, of Groucho Marx, which is in every old man, there is a young man wondering what happened. And <laughs> what is happening 
chatting on an individual level is likely to become true on a collective and even generational level everywhere in Europe. So addressing the issue, we started to work on this idea that we want to create equal opportunities and harness the power of all generations. What does it mean? It means deciding to work on five topics, a charter and indicators. So the five topics we work, the five areas of work, the first one is the fight against age-related stereotype. And let's be honest, it's the most difficult to change because we need a switch. We need a change of mind. And that is very difficult because it comes from our education. You know that more than anyone. We know that we built our perception of life in like, I was born, I learn, I work, I retire, and I die. Okay, your three-step phase of life, yes. But that's not happening like this anymore, you know? So focusing on the age, the issue is not the age or asking, as we know in France, to ask people to work longer, but to give them better opportunities and the impression that they're actually part of the company. So stereotypes is very difficult. So that's that's why we work on it. And that's why we work on a charter. We're going to talk about it uh, later. The second one is prevention in the field of health. There is an more, even more after COVID, I don't have all the explanation, a certain fatigue also. And we have there's safety, obviously, for certain work, but you know, you're also a certain fatigue bore out, as you say in English or whatever. But yep. we need to work on that. What is why are we struggling so much on commitment for certain employees? Then we say because we like to have the right in France, it's a right of, to lifelong training. What yep. is this world that we built and we believe that education is part only for the youngest? You know, what is that? No, education is the story of your entire life. You know, you have to work on that. And the thing is, I don't think we should think in terms of age anymore. It's more like how I keep myself capable and with some opportunities as long as possible. I want to have new opportunities. I want to be capable to actually project myself. This projection is very important. So you have to prevent from your um, training and everything. Then there is something which is more difficult to translate in English, but very important for me is dignity at work. It comes to all income, fulfillment, all these things, but which is, which are very important for employees now. And of course, the fifth one is the future of work. What is the redefinition of work by major advances such as AI and new organizations? Okay, so so five, let me just summarize that for listeners. So the first one is basically ageism and the stereotypes that create it. The second is prevention, particularly on the health dimension. The third is a commitment to lifelong training. The fourth, I would call that purpose, probably in English, the the dignity and purpose at work. And five is the future of work and the implications of the tech revolution on it. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay, so those play out through the 10 elements of the charter. These are the 
we focused on the first point, which was like the stereotype. So how do we work on that? How do we are very pragmatic and try to find something that companies can take on and actually share with everybody within their companies? So we did this charter that is free for everybody to join, I would yep. say. So, which is nice. And, uh, and you'll find the link to the charter in the show notes if you're interested, if your company might be interested in establishing that same sort of system. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's an active age policy, which involves obviously communicating with employees, asserting the strengths of internal generational relations, combating age-related stereotypes. It's this idea of pushing and fight against, you know, for all stage of working life, development of skills, employability at all ages. There is another key point, which is the, the need to pass on knowledge, which is very important <laughs> for companies knowledge as well. Knowledge transfer, yeah. Exactly. To promote inspiring career paths. And it highlights also the need of personalized health monitoring for the elderly, but not only active consideration of the needs for of caregivers, for example, we'll talk about it maybe later. To give you an idea, caregivers, 11 million people are caregivers in France, 17 million within five years. And last but not least, the charter stresses the critical importance of preparing for retirement, which we do, but too late, yeah. far too late. Yeah. And because far too late don't give you the opportunity to look and set up transitional measures. And so, you mention ages here when you say it should prepare as of a particular age or stage? It's something you should prepare all your life, I would say. Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if but, people t- but you're right. People tend to think about this in their late 50s or 60s as they're heading directly into it rather than thinking about this in their 40s when they could still have some runway to adapt and save and do whatever it yeah, is they need to do. Yeah, we will talk about it, I'm pretty sure, because there is some very... You know, something very specific for women. So, yes, we should actually be capable of looking at it much younger. And it's it's a kind of mindset. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you are looking at retiring. It's the thing that you are, that give yourself this capacity to prevent yourself from situations you don't want to because you haven't been prepared. Be prepared. That's the thing, you know. So what I call lean into Q3 so what I, what, I love it. what I love about this charter is it goes well beyond the kind of let's be age friendly or even <laughs> longevity ready. This is a much more kind of proactive get a longevity strategy in place that you will drive like we might have done on a gender balance strategy 25 years ago. I knew I love it. Aviva. It's exactly the same thing, you yeah. know. It's the new, exactly, we had for gender balance. And now that's why I'm working on the same thing for the index for intergenerational or older and, you know, generational before 50 and after 50. That's exactly the same thing. And something very strong within companies. It's the future balance for the workforce. That's for sure. And companies are just realizing it. That's the reason why we decided all together, because you understand the Club Landois, we are 24 companies and then the charter is open to all. I'm saying it again because you can join and actually 
two of our big companies such as L'Oréal and AXA actually launched to charter not only in France, but in for L'Oréal, 17 of the subsidiaries company up to China, believe it or not. And then AXA is signing the charter on this Thursday for their 51 subsidiary companies. Okay. Why are they interested? Is that it's very practical and yeah. by everyone. It can be used by anyone within the company and it does exist. Then from there, you can actually prepare a program deciding what you want. Then you have to give numbers because we published an index with KPIs to help companies self-evaluate their position on a series of longevity metrics. So just before we get to the KPIs, I just want to get a sense of some of these. So 24 companies have are members of the Club Landois. And how many have signed the charter? Because I think there's a different number who have signed. 52. The, 52. Congratulations. So 52 companies have signed the charter and 24 are members. And can you maybe just give us an indication of what sectors are these companies? What, who, who are some of the other companies? I hear L'Oréal. It's uh, a very big, big question, Aviva, because the thing is, what we call the big companies, the first 40, top 40 companies that you might listed on the French uh, stock exchange. Yeah. 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 Orange and Generali, La BNP. So they're big companies. What we try now is actually to enlarge the scope of the companies actually asking for the smaller one, such as Bayer, for example, yep. to join us. Right. Because it doesn't depend on the size of the company. It depends on your mindset as a CEO and you, what you want to do for your company. That's exactly what you say on the social transformation. Yeah. So it's very important. And we know, in fact, we must work on it because otherwise we have. But yeah. it helps to have some really famous brand names come in yeah. first to show show the way and show how serious this is. And they're putting you it and on the agenda. True that having a company such as obviously L'Oréal with us working on aging is not yeah. nothing. That's yeah. for sure. Exactly. Because we're worth because we're worth it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So a great bunch of companies, a supermodel. Hopefully, many companies listening will pick up on this idea, and you've baked accountability into the system by the index of KPIs on how to measure their progress and whether they're actually making the charter, implementing the charter effectively. So so go on the on the index. What are the KPIs and how do you, what are you measuring and looking and tracking? Okay, so that was a tough part of the job. You know? <laughs> always <laughs> KPIs, everybody's favorite piece. No, it's not perfect because the French government said, okay, we agree, we are not going to do an index. And I said, okay, you know what? We are going to do one because we need numbers. Yeah. So we actually agreed on four, four KPIs. So yep. the first one, as simple as it is, some companies realized this number that they were not looking at, I don't know why, is the percentage of employees over 50. And you can do it as a whole company, then you can do it by branches and sectors and yep. you know region, and it changes a lot. And normally you have to be very cautious what we're saying that you should not, you should be very 
cautious on the balance of older and younger people in every sectors of your company, in every department and every region, because it changes a lot. So first, percentage of employees over 50, which is good, big, and it's increasing. That's the trend. Second one, training rates. Not so good, honestly. So training rate of people over 50. Exactly. So what percentage of people over 50 are getting trained compared to people under 50? Is that? Okay, I can give you numbers. All companies together, it's less than 20%. Right. Okay. So less than 20% of the training is going to people over 50. I'm not that surprised because, you know, before the low change, you know, the age departure average in France was 58. So at the age of 50, they were already thinking being on, the, you know, on, on another, yeah. you know, jumping somewhere. And actually now it's 62. So I hope that the fact that we have a new age, even if I truly believe people should not think by age, but, you know, that's the thing. So, so twenty. So, so, and how do we compare that? So, twenty percent of people over fifty are getting training. What's the average percentage of the number of employees over fifty? How does the, that twenty percent compare to what number? The percentage of the, depending on the companies, we have of course forty-five to fifty percent over. Wow. Oh wow! Okay, training so rate. almost half, almost half of employees exactly. are yeah. over fifty, and they only get twenty percent of training, which is a pretty good summary of the challenge we're facing. Okay, exactly. The recruitment rate—I don't even dare telling you the number. It's very extremely low, and if I'm more specific for women, it's even harder. If you lose your job at the age of forty-five, it's very difficult for you to find a job back. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Was, and yeah. let me say it for people who are listening to us, women in their 45 and where they're alone raising kids, the kids are still at home. They're not old. They have young kids at home that need to study after that. So it's a huge topic yeah. itself for companies. Yeah. And mobility rate. I don't know whether you say mobility in English is the fact that you can move from one job to another. That French companies, we when we look at number, we're pretty surprised, but they don't recruit, they don't train enough, but they give the opportunity for people to, to move from one job to another. Right. Okay. So the rate is pretty good for the moment. So what we have to work on is that knowing that the percentage of employees is increasing, and I'll give you the new numbers we'll get within two months, yep. we need to train not more, much, much more. Obviously, and obviously with the AI and all the digitalization happening and everything, and the recruitment we need to change because facing difficulties to actually recruit on the younger age, we should work also on recruiting on the over over fifty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So so uh, which basically is part of the whole mindset shift of getting companies to really value and even think about their Q3 employees, both to recruit them, to train them, to follow them through, and to measure even their existence. So congratulations. This sounds like an absolutely fantastic exercise. Any early results? I mean, you've been doing this for what, a couple of years now. No, Uh, What have you learned, evolved, anything that you're pulling from the first? (laughs) The great thing 
We, the index, we launched it last year, actually. The okay. club has been launched much before. What we learned is that it gives the opportunity for companies to gather people in the right place at the right moment. And they commit, they are much more committed because the productivity and commitment are the two rates we should look at as well. And they engage much more. And it's, um, we worked on two, two, three things I would like to talk about as well. When we talked about health, for example, we focused more on caregivers which is a huge thing happening within companies so far. It's not, you know, we had this happening in the US much before us, where the people had to choose between breadwinning and caregiving. Yeah. Because we, at my age, I'm on my late 40, that's for sure that I raise my kids and we will have to look after my parents. That's, we have to understand that. Yeah. And I will be more than 50 of caregivers are working within companies. So you have to make sure there is something organized. You know, people have to organize by themselves, which is never, ever good for the company. So caregivers is one point I would like to highlight. Yep. And the second one, because I know it's your main topic and subject as well, Aviva, and you were like one of the first ones to raise it. And really, I'm so amazed by all the jobs you've done is the fact that on the economical challenge we are facing on the retirement period, on the top of it, having to look after some, for most of us, of our parents, is that women, unfortunately, I would say on the front line of the demographic transition for two reasons. Firstly, because they live longer than men. So, and the second reason it's because they have often what we say bumpy careers, lower wages or salaries than men. They face an enormous risk of becoming the old poor. Yes. And when I said that they live longer than men, let me underline the number. The average of years is nine years. So have, you have to finance nine years longer than men when you retire. And it's not an insurable risk, it's, but it's a considerable one. Yeah. And in fact, I looked at numbers and I was so shocked by it. 31% of women who are retiring in France today have a pension of less than 890 euros per month. So obviously it's changing, but still. So, And why isn't this an insurable risk? And can it be one? Have you talked to, are we talking to AXA about the opportunities to be insuring? We are looking at inclusive insurance that would cover it, but it's not ready yet, you know, because no one actually work on these numbers. Now that they are there, we need to work on them. Not sure we have the solution yet, but we're thinking about it and working on Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Because the, the, the gender pension gap, which the World Economic Forum has been doing some work on, and we have a an earlier podcast from them on this that touches on this topic is huge. It's 25% average in the world, but much higher in Europe. So yes, 
we're going to have to add that to our list, CB. We'll be pushing on that. <laughs> okay, there are a bunch of challenges. I'd, I'd like to focus a little bit on some of the challenges that have emerged from some of your work. The reality of corporate ageism is obviously a big one, and it hits some people a lot harder than others. So you've talked about this risk of women becoming old and poor, and how we're going to address this in the club is to shift mindsets. And how are the CEOs in your club starting on this journey? Are they aware of the gender slants that you're talking about? Or are you, again, kind of nudging this onto their agenda? Okay, we know we have the same character, best, so at least they're aware, that's for sure. <laughs> they know it. Uh, what they're going to do with it is very important. They're working on it. They are very sensitive about the subject. Why? Because the number of women within companies is increasing. Yeah. They have to, to focus on it, only by that. And what is interesting is that we know now that companies that build human capital are more consistent and resilient performers and are better at attracting and retaining talent. So this is very important for them because they understood that there is a link. Building human capital also pays off for firms. That's They know that. If you build companies only on the results, that doesn't work. They need to have another you know, reality. And this reality being human capital is something getting very important for them. And for France, I would say our CEOs are much more aware that the we have the lowest senior employment rates in the OECD, if I'm not exaggerating, more or less. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we are 10 points down compared to the average in Europe. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But what they are realizing, this is not only damaging to the country's economy, and it's been in phases many times, it's also worrying in terms of the well-being of the elderly. So that's something they are realizing. And on regular activity and the equilibrium of pension schemes. So as kind of a conclusion, I would say that adapting to demographic change is neither a luxury or a, an add-on to social policies. It's the first condition uh, yeah. for mobilizing all energies and knowledge to win tomorrow's battle of reindustrialization, energy transition, and competitiveness. So making work attractive and the company attractive to seniors are challenges that it's right to take up, not only for health, well-being, or sociability, but also cohesion, competitiveness, and corporate performance. Yeah. No, it's it's increasingly becoming a strategic imperative, and I think you've described that very, very well. And I'm curious about one phrase that you had when we discussed this, that you said the best way to accompany one generation is to accompany them all. What did you mean by that? It's this idea that on, on the first change of mind is not to categorize people per age. So that's the biggest change within company. Right. We all do that. Yeah. Okay. People under the 20, between 20 to 30, and then you have 30 to 50s. Like if we were like put into phases in our lives that cannot be changed. And you actually yourself created a fantastic book that I have on my first 
change. Actually, we should not focus anymore on an age group, but we should focus on talent. And I don't think that you are, you have one age of, you know, full of talents and one age of, there's no talent whatsoever. So that's what I was thinking yep. when I said that. Okay. So get rid of the age, get rid of the sequential mindsets, get rid of the phasing through hierarchies and start becoming much more age agnostic. Exactly. Okay. So I think we've got our agenda. We've got our charter. We've got our indicators. I'd like to conclude just with a, a little bit of an introduction to you, Sybil, and find out a little bit about your story. You're you're a VP of business development at Groupe Bayard. What's your day job? Is this it? <laughs> no, I actually do a lot on the club. And, uh, <laughs> it sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I created a media, which is called Vive Media, which is written V-I-V-E-S. And the media was born of a common observation and a sense of urgency is to money remains a taboo for women in France. So let's say that they have difficulty ensuring their financial autonomy and they're still at, I would say, acute risk of remaining financially fragile. So I was driven by the conviction that progress for women will also go through increasing their economics and financial expertise. Yeah. So it's a 100% digital ecosystem with a weekly newspaper in French only. Sorry about that. And it's a podcast that I would let you translate, which is Ozon L'Oseille and training and financial education and program. And it's a B2C, actually, obviously, because it's media, but it's also B2B2C. So we actually push companies to actually take it for their employees, because you would be surprised by the number of women, even in finance, who are oh, I know. I others know. all the time. And a when constant them, theme. Yeah. And you're like, okay. And yeah. they don't know. They, they, yeah. they actually don't know. Yes. The financial literacy of women is something I, I have been working on much of my career. And I think we will probably both be working on this till we die. It will take a bit more time. I don't know why it's so resistant. <laughs> exactly. So, Sibi, what are the, you're, you're coming towards the end of your Q2 on the horizon. Can you give me some idea of what might be some of your plans or growth ambitions for Q3? You look pretty well situated to have a very big Q3. I actually always see myself as I train a lot. I learn every day and I try to meet people who actually can tell me new things. I'm open minded, I think, curious, I would say, and eager to learn. And I think that's what is important. And I don't know what my future is, but I know that I have a future. I can project myself. I want to do more. I want to learn. And reskilling is not a problem for me. I understand that some, sometimes I lack some skills and I need to learn. So I'm back to learning. And there's no trouble for me on doing that. Okay, so we'll see where this topic of longevity takes you and then what your next chapter might be. Let's just conclude with a little advice to companies listening. If they would like to replicate or learn from your model, what, what advice might you share? 
they're more than welcome actually to contact us. We will give them, you know, any kind of advice we can. And we'd like to share from with what they did. You know, we learned from that. And um, I think the strength of the club is the fact that you have all these companies sharing together. Yeah. Because making one thing doesn't make a strategy, but sharing with 24 ideas starts to make a strategy. You see, yeah. that's a big difference. So join us and do more. That's for sure. And there is, we need a switch and there is not this idea of asking people to work harder, longer, who actually wake up in the morning thinking, okay, shall I work longer or harder? Or like, uh, no, no, that's not something. But you have to give them better opportunities. And if you give people better opportunities and if people are also capable of taking them, when you were asking for me, my target is to be capable as long as possible. I want to have opportunities. You have to put yourself in the sense of getting these opportunities as well. And that's it. Okay. So listeners, you have been invited to join and skill up and get longevity onto your strategy and your CEO's agenda as well. Sibyl, thank you so much for enlightening us and opening up your experience. Congratulations again on what you've built. And I'm sure you're going to create some emulators. Thank you so much, Aviva. Thank you. À la prochaine. À la prochaine. Au revoir. Au revoir. For more thinking about the impact of our four quarter lives, you can read my column at Forbes and subscribe to my Elderberries newsletter on Substack. Let's design lives that aren't just longer, but better. <laughs>